Hi, thank you for joining us here at Two Rogue Studios. My name is Rhea Dark. This week, we bring to our listeners part two of our U Inc. live special from the beaches of St. Petersburg about innovation. We will talk with our newest public radio station partner, Radio St. Pete's station manager, Joe Bordeaux. But first, some words on how you too can be like Joe Bordeaux. In my mental health presentations across the globe, obviously now that I'm virtual, my footprint is global, I'm often asked about how to live in uncertainty. So my answer is simple, expect the unexpected. But the expected is not what you would default into thinking it is. The expected is something to look forward to. Ask any successful entrepreneur like our guest Joe Bordeaux, and he will tell you, innovating inside of uncertainty is where the greatest opportunities lie. And why is that so hard for us to see? One of my new favorite books is called Relentless Solution Focus. That is the title. It's not grammatically incorrect by Dr. Jason Selk. The book teaches us that our thinking is problem-centered, a leftover from Primal Man where we look around us to see what could possibly threaten our lives. For example, is that shadow in the bushes a saber-toothed tiger eyeing us for dinner, right? Now, in modern civilization, this paralyzes us. As Primal Man, it prepared us into a fight, flight, or freeze. And, you know, that's kind of where we've been for the past couple of years. But what if I told you that 70% of the things that you worry about will never happen. Basically, your thoughts are not your reality. Folks, it's time to innovate a new reality, a new workplace, a new society, a new education, a new you. Don't wait another two years or for someone to give you permission. The new world needs innovators right now. The time is now. And this week's quote, Innovation is the ability to see change as an opportunity, not as a threat. And that is the quote by none other than Steve Jobs, of course, who believed that, and I love this, that people didn't know what they wanted until you show it to them. And he trusted his ability to think different and innovate instead of listening to what the customer wanted, right? Maybe they weren't able to verbalize it, but he listened and he extrapolated what they wanted and they didn't know. And even Henry Ford himself said, if I would have asked customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. Joe Bordeaux is the founder of Radio St. Pete, a locally based and volunteer run nonprofit organization of two 24 hour internet radio station streams, an FM radio station, and a robust podcast platform, all streaming from St. Petersburg, Florida, and is also a member of PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and the Pacifica Network and the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. Previous to this new company in broadcasting, Mr. Bordeaux led Cox Enterprises, subsidiary Valpac Direct Marketing Systems as president through 14 years of record growth, helping to drive system-wide revenues to well over 400 million in advertising sales, and to a position as one of America's most admired franchise individuals. And Mr. Bordeaux holds 
the certified franchise executive designation from the International Franchise Association, and he also speaks and writes regularly on franchising. And now, let's go back to that place, the Sweet Sage Cafe on the shores of St. Pete, where we first met John Mesmer last week for part one of Innovation. And today, we're going to sit down and talk with Mr. Bordeaux for part two of Innovation. So today we are very honored to have with us Joe Burdo, and we are here on location in St. Petersburg at the Sweet Sage Cafe. Super excited to have you here, Mr. Burdo. Uh, thank you. It's good to be with you. So we, before we go into the whole radio station part of things, I noticed in my research that you also served on many boards. Can you tell us about them? Because they're so varied, and how do you decide which company to get involved with? Well, I got involved uh, with boards, both profit, for-profit and non-profit, after I retired. And I, I was running the national uh, company, Valpac, which is based here in St. Pete, was founded here in St. Pete uh, 54 years ago. Uh, and I, I retired after running that for 15 years and went back to, I thought I was going to redo all the things I used to do, mm -hmm. but just do more of them. And that involved radio because I started my career in radio, working my way through the University of Virginia, and then uh, ran a little tiny uh, AM radio station in the Shenandoah Valley that had a really big audience, mm -hmm. but then moved on into uh, marketing and direct mail advertising and ended up you know, running the, the national company. But uh, it, when, I, when I did retire, I did some radio, and I did some minor league baseball play-by-play in... Triple A and Double A baseball for the Carolina Mudcats and the Durham Bulls, and but very quickly some of my old franchise friends mm -hmm. began to call. And mm -hmm. Valpac is a franchise was a franchise company, so you know I had a lot of things in common with a lot of other franchise brands mm -hmm. that I had discovered being through the International Franchise Association. So at any rate, I just went over and had lunch with. Uh, a couple of young guys who had started a company called College Hunks Hauling Junk. Right. And this is 10 years ago, and they needed some help, and I was able to provide it. And I really realized that junk hauling was, while it was different than uh, digital marketing and, sure. and print advertising, their issues were very much the same yeah. as, as what right. I had. Right. So I enjoyed helping them, and then that led to another board, which led to another board. And so... You know, it's been a series of referrals over the last 10 years, and because the thing that is in common is franchising, it really doesn't matter whether it's uh, uh, childhood education or, or junk hauling or, or fondue, uh, you know, eating at restaurants, uh, the franchise issues are the same. So it's been a lot of fun, very interesting, uh, uh, you know, trying to help them through their growth, these right. various brands. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So also in an article, you said that access to capital and funding is an issue that many franchises have and a well-connected board can help them with finding the right sources. And that also that a lot of franchise leaders don't realize that you have the opportunity to bring in an experienced skill set and so on and so forth and just doing it in a way that can be a little bit more financially uh, sound. But, and most recently also you made an appearance on Asia Pacific Today and discussed that franchising has taken a hit from COVID. So taking into account that you had mentioned that there are ways for people to save and be able to continue to build their franchises and franchises have taken a hit from COVID. 
Can you tell us the way that you think that has been impacted and how they can survive during this time? Well, the good news is that uh, there's been a recovery mm. and that by and large franchise businesses ended up faring better mm. uh, so that many are equal to ahead or well ahead of their 2019 numbers in 2021 and, and ro roaring into 2022. I just got back a few days ago from the uh, International Franchise Association convention in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, there was a lot of good news there and a lot of enthusiasm. But to get to your first part of the question, the reason why uh, a franchise company or really any small business should consider an advisory board, even a paid advisory board, mm -hmm. is that it gives them access to, if they pick the board members correctly, those board members all have networks, they mm -hmm. all have relationships, yeah. they all know people. And, you know, in our case, we were able to, for one of these companies, staff an entire advisory board, provide quarterly meetings, uh, monthly phone calls uh, with four extremely experienced, nationally experienced CEOs mm -hmm. for the cost of a, you know, mid-level right. employee. Right. And so the question would be, do you what? have a good chance to get more value out of that right. than one additional employee in your company? Right. Why so that's, you? that's our value proposition. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So, gotcha. But uh, so that allows things like funding sources. So mm -hmm. and that can be two different forms. One could be, you know, initial startup. Another would be growth capital mm -hmm. uh, to grow the company. And then uh, the third one, more recently, would be exit strategies of mm -hmm. one way or another. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies get to a certain size. The founders you know, worked hard for eight or ten years, and they're looking for an opportunity to maybe take some money off the table, maybe mm -hmm. continue to run their companies, mm -hmm. or exit. Right. And uh, so one of the things we do is help them plan for that. You know, that often takes a couple of years to, to be properly structured. Yeah. But then when the time comes, we certainly have all the contacts to connect them with right. the people who will take a look. Well, what great feedback for people who are looking to innovate in 2022 during this great opportunity that you were talking about. Now, let's turn to your great state of Florida here that seems to have been thriving even during these difficult times. And then you also talk when you were talking to uh, you did an article in Pacifica Network. You said St. Petersburg has become the arts and yeah. music destination, probably the best arts destination in the southeast. There are multiple museums, the third largest waterfront park system in North America and 35 miles of beaches in the Gulf of Mexico, which all led up to a vibrant kind of downtown. And I see our other local who's sitting here next to me. She's nodding her head in agreement. So what is it about Florida that has, in terms of innovation, that has led to such great success? Well, I, I believe we've had a very good city leadership here in St. Petersburg, at least during my time. I've been here 30 years. 30 years ago, we were laughed about on uh, Johnny Carson's Tonight Show because mm. we were God's waiting room. Mm. And it was very much that way. Nobody ever went downtown. They actually started a promotion called First Friday, which was all about, let's get some people downtown into this <laughs> terrible place. Uh -huh. Well, then uh, some investors came in and bought the old Vinoy Hotel, which is a classic, wonderful hotel on, the, on Tampa Bay, put $100 million into it. People looked up and said, wow, these guys are doing what? And that led to a couple of decades of incredible growth. 
but it was relatively smart growth. I mean, it was all based on maintaining a tremendous waterfront park system. I think it's third or fourth in North America. Just beautiful, available to everybody. It ended up being the construction of a replacement new pier, which is uh, amazing. Tremendous restaurants, art museums, all of that going on here. And it's resulted in this incredible arts community. So downtown St. Petersburg is is just 25 minutes from America's best beaches. So Mm -hmm. we have 35 miles of Gulf of Mexico beaches Mm -hmm. known, at least by the tourist bureau, for their sugar sand. Mm. And uh, so, you know, you've got it all really here. Mm -hmm. Plus it's a city. We're connected to Tampa, Tampa Bay, which is a major corporate center. St. Petersburg has, in the last few years, put a real emphasis on developing tech startups Mm -hmm. and other, uh, and trying to become a technology Mm -hmm. center. Mm -hmm. And that's brought a lot of younger people into the market and a major development here, ARC Investment, uh, mm-hmm. Kathy Wood, just moved her whole company uh, from Wall Street to wow. downtown St. Petersburg, which completely shocked the financial world. Yeah. And I think that's just the beginning. There's going to be an ARC uh, Innovation Center. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're really just getting started, but it yeah. is an amazing place. It's a great place to visit, as evidenced by all the people here where right. we're sitting right. on this, uh, this morning. Yeah, as soon as I landed, I said, why am I not living here? Yes. So, <laughs> so also in the same article, you said, I just remember one day saying that what St. Pete needs is a radio St. Pete. And then you parlayed your experiences franchising in some M- M- Major League Baseball broadcasting that you had talked about earlier into a successful nonprofit business. So tell us about Radio St. Pete and where things are going with that now. Well, back uh, in the 1970s and before, radio stations served their local communities. They were locally owned. There was a limitation on ownership. So they tended to be owned by community leaders and, and community business people. I'm sure that uh, is true in Columbus. It was true everywhere because that was the FCC regulation. So when I was in radio the first time, serving the community was good business. Mm-hmm. So we had a local news department, and we we did public affairs and won awards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, deregulation came along in the 1980s, and now corporations could own hundreds of stations. Mm-hmm. And so they began to cut costs and centralized programming. That provided an opportunity for public radio, mm-hmm. incidentally. NPR came along and all the rest of it. But local radio really went away. The first time I was here for a hurricane, I realized that no local radio station was doing hurricane coverage. Mm. They were simulcasting the TV stations. Mm. And that caused me to realize there's no local radio. So once I figured out the internet, that gave me an opportunity to say, you know what, we're gonna have a Radio St. Pete. We called it Radio St. Pete, got a logo, turned it on, figured out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's been on since uh, 2013. Then more recently, I had an opportunity to merge with an FM station in downtown St. Pete, mm-hmm. and so now we are, uh, you know, 96.7 FM and yep. Radio St. Pete Online. Yep. The, where this ties into the local arts community is that I discovered that we had an incredible local music uh, mm-hmm. community. There are hundreds of, of really talented singer-songwriters and other performers performing at hundreds of venues mm-hmm. because we can be outdoors right. uh, 24 hours right. a day. Of course, that helped us during COVID as well. 
and we became the radio station for all of those local musicians. Mm -hmm. So our motto is uh, Radio St. Pete, where local music lives. Yep. So we're developing that. We have almost 700 musicians mm -hmm. in our catalog mm -hmm. of one kind or another, various genres. And we put this all together in a radio station with local uh, event coverage, local interviews, public affairs, all, all the stuff you expect to hear on a good local public radio yeah. station, and uh, syndicated uh, programs right. such as your own <laughs> uh, on the station as well from PRX and, and right. uh, Pacifica, etc. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, just a follow-up to that, an article in Gabber, you mentioned how the musicians and the artists, you know, that you have them, but also how they can also create high-quality sound from their bedrooms yeah, and their right. basements. Yeah. So what do you think about the upcoming innovation around the music and the podcasting industry? For example, some have mentioned the eminent death of terrestrial radio. I know that you're thinking that that's not the thing, but what do you think about that statement? Well, you know, I was around for the beginning of FM. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not, uh, not technically, but I, I can remember my first sales job in radio was for a 50,000-watt FM radio station in Charlottesville, Virginia that absolutely nobody listened to. Mm -hmm. And because nobody had FM radios in their cars. And I remember when FM radio did arrive in cars in the very early 70s, it changed the world. AM became AM as we know it. Mm -hmm. And uh, FM became the thing. Today, you can hear internet radio in your car, but you have to plug in your phone in most mm -hmm. cases. Mm -hmm. you got to figure it out, mm -hmm. and it's a little bit too difficult. Mm -hmm. And we know that within a year or two, we can expect that, to, uh, and it's already starting, sure. but there will be cars you know, with internet. You'll be able to choose your buttons on your radio just yep. like you used to, right. and we want to be one of the buttons here in St. Petersburg when that happens. Until then, and probably after that, uh, I think... FM radio, uh, AM FM radio still reaches over 90% of America every day. Wow. So, and surprising number of younger people. Uh -huh. uh, less than older, but still a surprising number. Huh. So, it will gradually evolve. These things don't, you know, when TV came along, radio evolved. And mm -hmm. uh, when the internet came along, radio, you know, right. so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be around for a while. And right. Just like print advertising certainly has not gone away. Sure. Valpac still does tens of millions of dollars a year in business. Same same here with, with terrestrial radio. Right. I can tell you that as soon as we went on terrestrial radio here a year and a half ago, that suddenly people are going, oh, oh, you know, we arrived like we were for real. Yeah, yeah. And even though you more people could hear us around the world on enabled speakers and our radio St. Pete apps and yeah. online, than could on our FM radio station once it took us to get on the quote real radio for mm -hmm. people to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of thinking about like, you know, Radio St. Pete being an app and then me just touching the app on the dial on my car. I like that idea. Yeah. I see that. That'll change. Yeah, sure. So, and also in this last question, in Green Bench uh, Monthly, the article states that your inspiration for Radio St. Pete went back 40 years. So what do you think the next 40 will hold for Radio St. Pete? We talked about the app and so on and so forth. Maybe will that be a franchise one day? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is a nonprofit. It could be a social franchise. There are social franchises. I hadn't really thought about that. But uh, <laughs> uh, at this point, we're uh, still working on a couple-year path to you know, make this financially sustainable for the long term, operationally sustainable. So I'm no longer the program director. Mm. We have 23 volunteers and one by one, you know, the organization is coming together to sustain this for the long term. 
I, I will say that it has been great to discover, just like in so many other businesses, there is a community of, of uh, public radio people, mm -hmm. and you meet them, you yep. know, on PRX, you meet them mm -hmm. uh, on these platforms, like, mm -hmm. such as yourself, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we're all in our own way trying to create quality content, audio yeah. content, right. however it's delivered, right. you know, across the platforms, and uh, some, some really interesting, fascinating people right. I've had a chance to meet. Right, and you know, and uh, here's a great example of that, you know, we kind of met over that whole public radio system, and here we are together in uh, St. Petersburg at the Sweet Sage Cafe in Florida. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Bordeaux, for your time. You're very welcome. Great to be with you. Said it best, just win, baby, win. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get it up. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there, and they say yeah. And, and now, a word from our person on the street. What are my thoughts on innovation? Well, innovation is very important. I mean, it's led to everything that we have today, really, you know, including modern medicine and technology. Um, I think it just takes people who dare to think differently to, you know, get out of the rut of just doing things the same old way. Uh, when you really think about it, I feel like the opposite of innovation is just stagnation, just, you know, continuing to do things the same way that it's always been done. Um and, you know, we think about innovation on a grander scale, but there's also innovation in our personal lives, you know, and just being open-minded to changing our thought patterns or having the ability to reinvent ourselves, you know, those are some examples of innovation as well. And that's all the time we have for today, folks. And thanks so much for joining us here at Two Rogue Studios. And a big thanks to our producer, The Big Lebowski, Paige Lebowski. And you can find out more about her at her website, pagelebowski.com, or about all of us here at Team Two Rogues at tworogues.com. That's the number two and the word rogues.com. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for joining us. My name is Rhea Dark.